Hello and welcome to the Language Connection podcast, a podcast about ideas relevant to our student community. My name is Luke, I'm one of the directors here, and for our fifth episode, I called a familiar face who is now in the USA, Teacher Melinda. Melinda taught at Language Connection Bolivia throughout 2019, and she had previously worked teaching English in Vietnam. She's a big traveler, so I thought it was a good opportunity to invite her to the show to share thoughts on making the most of your vacations. We talk about the pros and cons of traveling solo versus traveling with a group, tips on finding the best activities, and Instagram etiquette while traveling. So all of that and more is coming up. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Melinda. Hey, Luke. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, as an introduction, how do we know each other? So I used to work at Language Connection um, for a year last last year, and um, we met at the airport. Thanks for picking me up. Yeah, no um, Yeah, and then since then we've just been in contact, friends slash coworkers. Yeah. I see a lot of your stuff on on Instagram, moving around. Um, and since moving back to the States, you've been doing a lot of cool stuff, I see. Kind of, yeah. So I've been hiking a lot. Um, obviously, quarantine happened. So stayed inside, cooking, learning to play the ukulele very poorly. Do you remember <laughs> when we went to find that ukulele for you together in uh, in the market, in Los Pozos, in the market? Yeah. Oh, I do remember. That was, that was cool. I really liked uh, going there. What inspired you to move to Bolivia? Oh, man. Um... So moving to Bolivia was actually a very spur-of-the-moment type of decision. Uh, I found an ad, and I've always wanted to go to South America. I didn't know where, but I saw an ad, and I was like, you know, let me just let me just apply and see what happens. And actually, I was going to turn down language connection based on just I didn't know anything about it. I had another offer in Spain, and Spain was top of my list at the time. But then during the interview, I met Miranda, and she was so nice and so helpful. And then I met uh, you and Joe, and then you guys, like, carried the laptop around the room to show me the neighborhood. <laughs> and I, um, I just was like, wow, you know, this group is very helpful and just so hospitable. Um, and then the other interview didn't go as well. The guy didn't really seem to care. And that was the main reason why I came to Bolivia was because of you guys actually doing the interview. That's really nice. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. I still do turn the laptop around quite a lot in <laughs> interviews to show people the sky because I consider that one of the big selling points. If I'm interviewing someone, I've been doing this recently. It's like, uh, but look, look how good the weather is. Look how blue the sky is <laughs> because it helped. And they always do. They always sound very impressed. But I, I really like that, that you liked both the view and being shown something that that's really nice yeah. um so you choose us we're really happy that you accepted and we were excited to to have you here um preliminary visa stuff and then you get on the plane to come here what's your route to come to santa cruz uh so i went from washington dc to texas texas to panama panama to santa cruz oh, that's quite a lot of connections yeah <laughs> i was trying to go on the cheapest flight um yeah so i was on the plane and I remember going from Washington, D.C. to Texas wasn't a huge deal. I was tired. I think it was like four or five in the morning. And then I woke up. And when I was on the plane from Texas to Panama was actually when I started to panic. Okay. Um, <laughs> so because I'll rewind a little bit. Bolivia, I knew nothing about Bolivia. I did very little research going into this. And I was like, oh, I'll just 
I'll just, you know, learn about it when I get there. Well, I got on the plane and I was like, oh my gosh, I know nothing about Bolivia. Uh, like, what's the weather like? What are the people like? What are the food like? Um, I was just so, I don't know, I guess everything just hit me at once and it became real when I was on that plane. And I actually broke down and cried just like oh, silently no. to myself <laughs> because I was nervous and anxious. Um, but then once I got over that in a few minutes, then I was like, okay, excitement. You know what? I'm already on the plane. I can't turn it around. Right. So let's just let's just get there and see. And then if I'm really uncomfortable, I'll just fly home. But again, you guys met me at the airport, which immediately eased my worries. Um, and it was great. Yeah. I'm glad I never looked back. <laughs> I forget. Was your flight in one of the early morning ones or a late night one? Were you seeing Bolivia by night or by day when you arrived? It was late at night. So when we drove from the airport to the apartment, I didn't see anything. It was like just a few shops. Um, everything was a blur. Yeah. <laughs> First impressions as you're going through, it's like, okay, this is my house. How? Because it, it is very different to, to Washington. I guess my, I would say my first real impression was the next day, right? During the day. And I didn't really get to see much. I was, really, again, really scared of leaving the apartment, um, seeing the city on my own because I didn't speak any Spanish. I didn't know where I was like on a map or anything. And I didn't know if it was safe. So I, I think the first thing I saw was um, like the grocery store, Hyper Maxi. And I was like, and then we walk, you know, I walked there, I saw it from my window. And I was like, okay, this, this neighborhood's kind of nice. And then I started to get more of an impression of the traffic. Cause I think that night we went to the city center and I was like, wow, there's a lot of traffic here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of cars. But then once we got into the main plaza, I, my mind was just blown. It was beautiful, um, especially compared to the rest of the city coming into it. It was more just like concrete jungles and shops and, you know, this and that along the way. But once you get into the plaza, there's like a lot of greenery and trees and uh, obviously the beautiful cathedral. And it was I was blown away. I was really impressed with the plaza. I especially liked the... Um, like the family vibes. You saw a bunch of kids out there and families and then teenagers hanging out with their friends and, you know, couples on dates. And it was just a really, really great place to be. So very good first impression on the first night. It was fun. And then getting to, how long after arriving did you get to meet your first students and teaching your first class? About a week, something like that? Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, about a week or week and a half or something. Do you remember your first um, class? Who was it? What level? And Oh, do I remember? Um, no, I don't remember. Usually when I teach, I, I kind of black out <laughs> because I get really nervous. <laughs> not, so, in a, not in an um, unconscious way, in a just not creating oh, no. memories way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's hard for me to remember because I am so focused on what I'm doing and then what I'm doing next and how to, how to speak and how to grade my language that I don't really remember. I do remember though, I think one of my first classes was a level five. And I remember meeting them and they were so friendly that I wasn't nervous anymore. And so I think that's when I really started to 
make actual memories <laughs> and enjoy um, the the students. And I, I was like, oh, okay, good. They're they're not so mean. They're really nice and friendly <laughs> and helpful. It was great. I was used to like going past your classroom, just walking by, because <laughs> I, I would see some of the strangest, really fun looking activities going on inside the classroom itself. I think I walked past once and there was a big cape over somebody's head and people were walking through and... <laughs> Um, what were some of the activities that you really enjoyed? What, which activities that you tried really worked in the classroom with our students? Yes. So I love being physical in my classrooms. I think getting people up and moving is the way to do it. Um, so I think the game that you're referring to was, especially at the beginning when people are still getting to know each other, is uh, like a name game. So, you know, you introduce yourselves. My name is, my name is. And then you split the class into two groups and you have like a big sheet or a blanket in between and when you drop the blanket they have to say the other person's name oh, nice. whoever says it first gets the point um so that's a great way for them to have fun get to know each other but then also say like your name is and they have to use full sentences of course and and also score points for their team and it's just a great way to learn i think um so that was one of the, my favorite games So what parts of Bolivian culture are most memorable for you? So the first thing that stood out about Bolivia for me was the landscapes, the diversity of landscapes. Um, after being able to travel around for, I think, two weeks, I went to Cochabamba, La Paz, Lake Titicaca, um, Potosí, just basically did a little circle around a few different cities. I was really just surprised at how diverse the people and the landscapes were. There was mountains and beautiful lakes and, you know, salt deserts. Um, and then the Amazon. Where impressed you most? Uh, La Paz. I really, really enjoyed La Paz. I think the teleferico system was really cool. And the city is just unlike any other city I've seen in the world. Just how high it is, um, you know, how all the houses like line down into the valley and then the telephericals over top. It's just really cool. It's often so, just yeah. a feeling when you're traveling that you later on go back to and remember rather than just, okay, mm -hmm. a place or a vision of a memory. It's like I was there and I felt peaceful. I was there and I felt right. like I'd done something for myself. Mm -hmm. Are you someone who likes traveling by yourself or with friends more? Because I've met both and, and trips can be good both ways. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So I've also done both. I've traveled alone and I've traveled with friends. I would definitely probably prefer traveling with friends. Um, I think it just adds an element of a little bit of security and safety, but also variety. Um, so again, again, we traveled uh, to Buenos Aires and I'm not really an art museum type of person, but so the person I was traveling with was uh, Maggie and she loves art. And so she encouraged us to go to a few art museums. She had done the research and I mean, we don't really have a schedule. So, okay, sure. Why not? We'll go. Well, it was like a really cool experience to see, um, you know, what displays they had up, the structures, just different paintings. And then also going with somebody who studied art. And she was able to tell us like the, the artist and the history and the story behind it just made it that much more interesting. And so now I wouldn't say like, I'm, I'm still not in love with art, but I can appreciate it a lot more. So I definitely prefer traveling with people for that reason. There's obviously 
a lot of pros to traveling alone as well because you don't have to compromise, right? You can go whenever you want to whatever you want and do whatever you want. Um, but I think in general, I would prefer traveling with people. Where would you recommend for, let's say there's a, a, a Bolivian teenager listening to our podcast who, who is, likes the idea of traveling but hasn't started traveling yet because they're a little young. Mm-hmm. Where would be a good place for a Bolivian to open their traveling account with? Uh, that's a great question. So I think when you're starting out in traveling, um, especially if you are young, that you do want to step outside of your comfort zone, but to an extent. For me, um, I took baby steps. So I didn't just, you know, fly across the world on my own. I started small. I uh, Actually, I like, <laughs> I practiced by going to like a restaurant or a diner just by myself to understand like how I would feel sitting alone in a restaurant and how uncomfortable do I feel and what do I do with my hands and, and what happens if I don't have internet on my phone. So I... I kind of practiced and it sounds kind of silly, but no, that's an incredible tip. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I I kind of practiced just being uncomfortable in my own hometown because it it was just something I had never done before. I don't go to restaurants by myself. So that's how I started. And then uh, the second step from that for me was either traveling with a group um, like an organization or traveling with a group of friends and then if they want to do something that you don't want to do, I think it's okay to tell people it's fine to not do it. Go do your own thing. And if, if it's just for a few hours, that's fine. If it's for a day, that's also fine. But you're going to have plans to meet back up, and that's okay that you do separate things. Um, so I think for a Bolivian, uh, maybe a Bolivian teenager who wants to travel, start small. Start within your country. Go to different cities that maybe you've never been to before and then kind of branch out from there, maybe going to Peru or taking a tour to Brazil or wherever, but just starting small and slowly branching out until you keep pushing the comfort boundaries just a little bit at a time. Yeah, test the limits bit by bit, right? I certainly agree with that. And I think our students are doing are advantageous in the idea that if they speak Spanish naturally, you've got every basically every country except Brazil um, because language is such a big barrier for for people to to travel to but if you're learning english as well you now can basically travel and to most places around the world Mm, um absolutely i mean how good was the how far would english get you in vietnam very far actually uh obviously it depends on where you go just like probably any other country um especially maybe like bolivia you can see you know smaller cities you have a lot less english in maybe major cities or commercial capitals, you have a little bit more. And so Vietnam is very similar in the commercial capital because there's so many tourists that come there. They speak a decent amount of English. Um, and then you go into the small cities and you might have to learn a few words of Vietnamese. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of traveling, I feel very fortunate that I speak English because there's been so many times where I don't know the phrase or the word or just in general, the language, the native language of that country. And I have no choice but revert to English. And there's always at least one person that knows a little bit of English and through body language and 
you know, whatever words you do know, you can communicate what you need. So it's English is very, very useful, very, very useful, especially when traveling. Yeah, it's certainly what we believe. I mean, mm-hmm. natural plugs for language connection just keep coming, don't they? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, in fact, though, it worked the other way with me for some of my traveling because I would almost consider it cheating if the native language was English in the place that I would go to. So I put off going to the States for years. It never mm-hmm. appealed. It was never at the front of my mind to go to the United States of America yeah. because, well, they speak English there. It's not traveling, is yeah. it? And it, it was strange because I'd lived kind of out, out in the sticks in, in totally different places. And then right. I finally did take a trip to the United States and it's like, Oh yeah, I mean this is very familiar. I, I, it, obviously, it's it's a it's American. It's it's different. Everything's bigger, yeah. <laughs> stretched out on the horizontal axis a lot more. Like which I found mm-hmm. like there's more spacing everywhere in America. Like even okay, the space, yeah. even the spaces in your license plates, the the text is just slightly further apart. It was wow, one of the, my okay. initial reactions. It's like, yeah, you use the horizontal axis a lot more. America's a lot bigger, <laughs> right? You can spread out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. But for a while, it's like, okay, no, why would I go somewhere that speaks English? What's the point? Right. But so was I that mean, your was that your first impression of America? Was just like, oh, there's lots of space here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the roads are slightly wide, just a little bit. They're slightly wider. Mm-hmm. Everything is, you can just, it's in widescreen. That, that's how I felt. <laughs> that's it's like fisheye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I landed in, in Washington and, and got to go through a really nice park on the way. Uh, what was it called? Like Rock Creek Park or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hike there sometimes. It's beautiful. It's so mm-hmm. nice. Um, on the way to, to my friend's house to pick me up at the airport. Um, and that's the other good travel tip as well, right? If you happen to know somebody who's there, oh, yeah. it makes a world of difference. If, Absolutely. if you've got a friend or if you've, I guess it must be relatively okay to make, you can make friends with someone on, online across the world. And obviously you've got to be, you've got to do this safely. But um, yes. if you're, <laughs> but if you ever then do end up meeting uh, that person around the world and they offer to share, show the, show the places, it's always so much better than the guidebook. Oh yeah. No, I 110% agree. Um, like when we were in Rio, Ali had, some friends there and they just showed us the best time because they knew where all the hot spots were where all the cool bars were or the the you know the events that were happening that night so like i can't remember when it was but they were having a parade um and we would have never known about it or found it if we didn't know the local there and so she brought us to this big party like street parade and street party and there were people on stilts and wearing costumes. And it was almost like Carnival, but a much different, like a little bit of a different version. Um, but still same idea, everyone drinking and dancing in the streets. It was a great time. But to get there, you had to know the exact address. And then, you know, it's in, it's in some like alleyway or in a, par- in a tiny park. We would have never found it if we hadn't known a local. So definitely agree with that. Anytime you can meet a local or have a local show you around, do it. <laughs> Absolutely do it. How much planning do you personally do? Because you, you just said you didn't do much planning before you came to Bolivia. You were happy to let it unfold naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you also do when you're traveling to different places? It kind of depends. So again, it depends if I'm traveling alone or traveling with someone. But typically I, tra- like, I plan 
cities to go to and then maybe one or two things I really want to do in that city or in that area. But I leave my schedule fl pretty flexible and pretty open because, you know, there are sometimes opportunities that come up that you don't know about. And um, you kind of learn there. And again, going back to like those tips for travelers, uh, one of the main, like, main things I do is I go to the hostel or hotel and I always ask the front desk for advice or recommendations. And they will tell you like, oh, you want to go here? I mean, you can go, but you should go this place and it's just so much better. And usually I take them up on it and I'll take their word for it. And they're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they know. Yeah. It's their mm -hmm. job to know and they're doing their job. It's, it's, it's worth following. Do you feel like you have to display that you're having a good time all the time when you're traveling? What? No, of course not. I think, um, no, no, no. I, no. I think that traveling is an experience in its, you know, in, its, in and of itself. It's, there are good times and then there are bad times and then there are horrible times and there are fantastic times. And I think part of traveling for me is just taking it as it comes and enjoying the journey. And I know it sounds like, you know, really cliche and but it corny. Makes sense. Exactly. But you really do have to enjoy the journey. Um, I wanted to ask you about Instagram in general. Um, you have, you have an Instagram, I have an Instagram. Like, I like posting travel things, you like posting travel things. Where in the world is Mimi, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> at where in the world is Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> um, has Instagram added or taken away from a travel experience? Mm, that is a great question. So um, I've thought about this because I think that there is, there's a spectrum. You can take pictures while you're traveling and because you want to capture the moment, you want to remember and be able to look back on it. But I think to to a point, because if it gets like too many, it, like, you're taking too many videos, you're taking too many photos, you lose that wonderment of just being present. I mean, I think there's just got to be a balance between do it for the gram or just really enjoying the moment. Balance is definitely the key word. I've caught myself as well many times. It's kind of like, I'm seeing something that I'm enjoying. This is impacting on my senses. This is what a great view. And my first thought is quickly go to your pocket and take a photograph of it. And I think you're right. Yeah. Because mm. for me, when I cared a bit more about when I was doing more traveling, I guess, really, the comment was as important as the picture for me when I was posting mm -hmm. something. Um, it's like, okay, this, this picture is going to be a memory trigger for a story that happened at some point. Um, I think those have been the posts that I've enjoyed the most because I've usually kept the feeling that my Instagram is for me to look back on as a scrapbook of travel adventures. And yes, I want to share my stuff with other people because I like seeing other people's good stories. Um, I, mm. I, I take the point that Instagram often present, it definitely presents its own reality that is a super reality, mm. better mm. than the one that we currently live in. And we should never consider Instagram as yeah. reality because the, the two things are different. They're heavily edited, um, highly stylized, right. composed, whatever. But I get inspired by other people's good things. It's like, I did an interesting thing today. It's like, yeah, I want to go do an interesting thing today. I get motivated by Instagram rather than mm. depressed by other people's Instagrams. As long as you keep the idea yeah. that you're never in competition with these people. I, I completely agree with the idea that Instagram is 
this fake reality. It, everything is edited. People aren't what they look like. Views aren't what they look like. And I don't want people to go to Instagram and be like, this is not what I was expecting. And then be disappointed. And like, yes, I will fully admit, I use Photoshop. I love um, making my, my pictures pop. But there's also something to be said about being in a place that a picture just does not do it justice. And I think that's what's hard to capture, right? Is you go to this place and you have a 360 view or I mean, it's real life. So you, you have this amazing view and a picture just doesn't do it justice. And so I think that's part of the reason why I try to make it pop on Instagram is because I want people to have that wow factor that I had, mm -hmm. but you really, you can't imitate it. it. It's a real feeling. And once you get there, regardless of if it looks like the Instagram picture or not, I, you're going to be in awe. Right. And so for sure, like take your pictures, but there's nothing that will ever compare to actually being there. To, to flip the script a little bit here. Um, when I was in, in Spain, I was getting into photography and I went a trip by myself mainly to test out to my own photography skills because there's an old adage in, in photography that says your first 10,000 pictures are all terrible. They're, they're useless. So I thought, okay, I better start taking a lot of photographs and I can't just take them inside my house. I'm going to go to a different part of Spain. I was living in Spain anyway. And I went to Barcelona and I, and I got a map um, and I circled a bunch of different spaces and went, okay, I've got 24 hours to photograph every single thing that I've circled on this map. And so I went from space to space and it was really fun <laughs> uh, because I had made photography the activity of the day. Um, right. And I, and the, the idea of searching for a good angle for each of the buildings that I was taking a picture of mm -hmm. was interesting. I, I enjoyed that, but that was with a DSLR, uh, which is the, the camera. You, you're choosing the zoom, you're choosing the focus, you're fighting with what does aperture and, and, uh, and shutter speed mean? Cause I had no, didn't really know at that right. point. Uh, so I know what these things are, but I'm not sure well, what's the difference between 1,600 and 3,200 and right, right. whatever. Um, that was fun. It was engaging with it in a slightly different way. Yeah, no, I mean, there have been many times where I did the same, where photography was the activity. Mm -hmm. But I think that's different than when you go to a place and take a picture, right? Like, if you make photography the activity, then, yeah, take as many pictures as you want, obviously. Um, and I think there's something that's really cool about that. Another thing I'll say about photography is I think it's much better to get into photography, especially when traveling, when you travel alone when I'm traveling with my friends, they don't have the patience of me like, well, wait, I just have to get the, mm -hmm. you know, this number just right. And this exposure just right. Like it's photography is something that takes a lot of patience. And when you're traveling in a group, it's really hard to get that group to, <laughs> to play along and be like, all right, she's just taking another photo. Um, it, I think it takes a long time to do. So I would recommend like, if you do do photography while traveling, Try to do it more so when you're alone or maybe with another photographer. Are you good asking somebody to take your photo when you're traveling? No, I'm horrible at it. I get so, yeah, I know. I get so nervous. For some reason, I feel like I'm an inconvenience. And I'm like, I'm so, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Can I, um, do you mind if I <laughs> ask you for a photo? I think uh, I've gotten better at asking people because I really want myself in that photo. Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of forced myself to do it. 
but it's not something I enjoy. I feel really, really bad. But when people ask me to take photos, I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Some people really take it like they, it's their, it's my chance to shine. It's like, yes, it is. Thank you. Let's do this. Let's, let's run with this. Yeah. And like, uh, so like Instagram boyfriends or I don't know, is there such thing as an Instagram girlfriend? I love think Instagram. so. There are, Instagram boyfriend is a much, is a much more coined term, isn't it? I, yeah. I would say that I've had moments of being an Instagram boyfriend, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I love Instagram boyfriends because uh, I find that there's something so endearing about being like, I want my, my girlfriend to look good. I want her to look the best possible she can, even though she's like posing in front of a, a flower or like some random tree. Um, but I love like the ones that are deeply, deeply involved and invested, like laying on the ground, ankle <laughs> up. <laughs> Those are the best to me. I like the photo of the photo. So when someone takes a photo oh. of an Instagram boyfriend taking a picture <laughs> of their girlfriend, I find that much more fun than the actual photo. Yes, that the, the, the... yes I completely agree. <laughs> so I want to thank you for your time uh, today, Melinda. It was really nice talking to you and sharing your travel tips and hopefully inspiring some people to, to, uh, to make those steps, those bit by bit steps. Um, if people are interested about going to going to different parts of the world but you don't have to do it all at once do it step by step and mm. take on board some of the cool tips you shared with us today thanks for having me it was really fun it was awesome this is my first podcast so that was cool love tra- talking about travel so anytime you want to talk about travel i'm with it <laughs> nice and we talked a lot about instagram where in the world is mimi all one word uh, that's still your handle on instagram right yes it is <laughs> Um, thank you for your time today Melinda take care and we'll see you soon thanks alright see ya big thanks to Melinda for sharing those tips with us and we hope that they'll help you out whenever you take your next vacation whenever that might be Language Connection Bolivia offers English classes for all English levels to kids teenagers and adults so if you or someone you know could benefit from our classes now is the time to join because registrations for the 2021 semester open November 26th with discounts available for early subscribers check out our new prospectus to find out more about us and what we do get in touch through WhatsApp 7849 6717. Our Facebook is Language Connection Bolivia and our Instagram is at Language Connection. I've been Luke. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Language Connection podcast.